hello and welcome. We're really pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. If you say, I'm a Christian, Christ is in my life, I will live for Jesus, then be faithful to Jesus. Even when no one's looking. We live in an age when faithfulness and loyalty seem to be so last century. We tend to be faithful so long as it's not too hard. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, God called Israel to be faithful. He called them to follow the example of the Rechabites. Stay tuned for some interesting thoughts as Dr. Corbett suggests we be like the Rechabites. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Jeremiah chapter 35. Today's a momentous occasion. Today is part 100 of our Jeremiah series. <laughs> there you go. Jeremiah turns 100 today. And here we are. In chapter 35, and we're going to be introduced to a group of people that caught the attention of God. This is an amazing story. It's a, there's kind of a sub-story, and if you follow the threads, if you pull the threads, be like a bit of an investigator, you'll notice that there's a story about another people that parallels, just in the distance, just in the background, parallels the story of Israel. And here's where it climaxes. And this is, this is a family that were from the tribe of, or, or the nation, the, the Gentile, the Arabic Gentile nation of Kenites. They weren't Hebrews, Kenites. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. Of the Kenites, there was a tribe, the tribe of the Rechabites. And of the tribe, there was a clan called the Jonadabites. And we're going to be introduced to these guys. And what's interesting is that they caught God's eye. They caught God's attention. This guy, Jonadab, caught the attention of God. Not a Hebrew, but he caught God's attention. He's, he is in the biblical record as one of the greatest fathers to have ever walked the planet. So if you are like me and you want to be a really good dad, you probably want to listen up. Because this man did something that I think fathers can draw some lessons from. And Jeremiah is actually going to bring his descendants out. These are like the, the 20th generation from Jonadab. Or so. I haven't actually counted, but it's at least 20 generations. And he brings these guys out and they're still faithful to what Jonadab, their forefather, taught them. And what he taught them was to keep the law of Moses. Isn't that strange? He was a Gentile who, when Israel came out of Egypt, very early on, he recognized the hand of God. And, he, and, and this whole tribal nomadic nation said, we're going to align ourselves with you. Moses' father-in-law was a Kenite. It's an interesting thing. Well, let, let's have a look at this. So this text... We're going to call this passage, as we look at all uh, 20 verses or so of this passage, is, is be like the Rechabites, because this was Jeremiah's message to Israel. You can imagine, here you have a nation, a Gentile, Arabic nation, that is being faithful to the law of Moses. In fact, you could argue that the law of Moses had certain levels. There was kind of like, you know, minimum level, just, you know, turn up once a year to church, or turn, you know, as long as you're a Hebrew and you turn up at Christmas and Easter, you're all good. That's kind of minimum level. That's meant to be funny. That was Christmas, Easter. Anyway, it was like, it wasn't invented then. But 
If you've got to explain it, it's not good. So minimum level, and then, then you can go up to the next level of someone who, who said, look, I'm, I'm really going to commit my life to being dedicated to God. I'm going to commit my life to, to really praying for others and doing good for others. Then you kind of got this next level where you could be a, be a, be a Levite, where you had to be born into the Levite family, except Samuel, wasn't he? He was adopted in. And then you could be, then you could be a priest, and this is kind of the levels of dedication. Then there's one right above that called a Nazarite. It's mentioned in Numbers chapter 6. And we'll have a look at the Nazarite vow in a moment. But these Rechabites were not Hebrews and they chose to live by the Nazarite vow. The hardest, the highest form of dedication to God. And they didn't just do it for one generation two generations they did it for 20 generations this is amazing so let's have a look at this we're in jeremiah chapter 35 verse 1 the word that came to jeremiah from the lord in the days of jehoiakim the son of josiah king of judah go to the house of the rechabites verse 2 and speak with them and bring them to the house of the lord into one of the chambers then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazina, and his brothers and all his sons, the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdalia, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials, above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink wine. But they answered, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, you shall not drink wine, neither shall you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant or have a vineyard. But you shall live in tents all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons and our daughters. And not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard or field or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab our father commanded us. Verse 11. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we are living in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord. The command that Jonadab, this is God speaking now through Jeremiah, the command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept and they drink none to this day. 
they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. Now here is the, the irony of the situation. God chose Israel. They didn't choose him. God chose them. He favoured them. He said, you can be my representatives in the earth. I will give you my law. My law is good for you. My law will give you life. My law is the, the landmine map of life. This way you can live and not be hurt or hurt people. This way you can live and enjoy life to the full. There's only 10 principles you've got to keep. They call the Ten Commandments. Probably shouldn't call them principles. They are commandments. And you keep these and you'll not only live, you'll enjoy life to the full. And did Israel? Not at all. They continually broke all ten. The very people God chose to represent him to the whole world. <laughs> to be a light to the world. And yet... Here is a people, Kenite, the Kenite nation. They are not Hebrews. These Gentiles, these Arabs, are more faithful in keeping the commands and laws of God than the very people who made a vow to God. As a nation, they vowed that they would keep the commandments of God. They vowed that they would represent God. That nation that vowed... We will obey you completely, didn't. And these guys, the Kenites, whom God hadn't particularly chosen, it seems, had said in their hearts, this is a good law. We will keep these laws willingly, gladly, from our heart. Not just us, but we read about John and Dad. But our, my children will, and their children will, and their children will, and down it goes. These people aligned with Moses around the time of Israel coming out of Egypt. It's amazing. How long did they align with Israel? They voluntarily, some of them voluntarily, went with Israel into captivity into Babylon so they could continue to be exposed to the law of God. And we have in Nehemiah 3.14 the reference that Malchiah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim, repaired the gate. He rebuilt it, set its doors, its bolts and its spars. So when they came back from captivity, it was the Kenites who rolled their sleeves up, passed me one of those trowels, let me help you, to, you Hebrews, you Israelites, let, me, let us help you to rebuild your city, your wall quite amazing when their father no use of the term father we'll have a look at this in a minute said don't live in cities don't live in houses and we'll see why he said that in a moment so you kind of get the idea this guy jonadab who from generations ago must have been a pretty profound guy <laughs> and you know the Rechabites were none the worse off for keeping to the very two simple instructions that he gave them to define their family. Keep the law of God, and here's how you're to do it. Don't drink wine, don't build in houses and live in cities. How does a dad instruct his children so that when he's not looking, they still obey him? Is there any dad here who's got that figured out? It must be possible. John and Dad did it. 
I, I read the book of Daniel, and here's this 16, 17-year-old kid taken away into captivity, away from mum, away from dad, and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, offers him whatever he wants to drink, whatever he wants to eat, and any woman he wants. And, and, the, and this young kid, Daniel, says, not for me, thanks. Why not? Asks the king's envoy. Because I fear God. Now, right there, people go, wow, Daniel, awesome. I'm going, tell me about your dad. How did he, in such a short period of time, get you to own your faith? And here's the descendants of Jonadab, and they love God. And they love their father, Jonadab. So, so here's the next question. Well, you know, if, if you think about Jonadab, just for a moment, what, what must he have been like? I've got some words here as I thought about this. He must have been a man of impeccable character. You know why? Because when a dad says to his children, don't do this, and the children take one look at him and go, why not? You do. do you, you ever have those moments? So to be a man of impeccable character probably means he walked the talk. He was a man who feared God. He was a man who understood that raising children was his legacy. What kind of father was he? Well, probably a father that fostered identity in his family. Dads, do you ever say this? Hey, hey, don't do that. In this family, we don't talk that way. In this family, we don't act that way. In this family, we pray before we eat. In this family, we help out where we can. You know, you see what's happening there with that expression, in this family? You're defining, dads, you're defining your family identity. In this family, we help out even if it costs us. They're the things that define a family. John and Dad must have done that really well. In this family, you fill in the blanks. It's pretty obvious to me that he really taught, and that's the second point. What kind of father was he? He was a father who taught and trained, and I think there's a difference, taught and trained his children and grandchildren. He was a father who inspired his children to be different to the glory of God. He was a father who imparted a proper sense of value, what really valued regarding things and thrills. You know, don't drink wine, don't drink alcohol, and don't build houses and live in cities. Well, today, we, we have such a culture where those things are highly prized and valued. And here's this guy going right against culture, and it would have been against culture of his day as well, don't value those things. Don't, don't make those things the be-all and end-all of your life. The thrill and the thing. And he would have been a father who showed his children the value of reputation. Proverbs 22 verse 1, your reputation's more valuable than your bank account. So, 1 Samuel 15, 6, we, we find this amazing reference that, that King Saul paid to the Kenites. This is what he said. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go depart Go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So uh, I want you to see here also, we've quoted a couple of verses that the Bible has used where it refers to Jonadab, their father. And this is just a really important point for understanding the Bible generally. Because sometimes... We read words and we assume, as we, we read from that Nehemiah passage about uh, Malkiah, it says, Malkiah, the son of Jonadab. 
well, hang on, the son of Jonadab, this is like 30 generations after Jonadab. But notice how the Bible calls him his son and calls Jonadab his father. The Bible does this a lot. Now, if you're trying to put a date to when Malchiah existed and you're basing it on the fact that he was the son of Jonadab, you see, your date's going to be really skewed. So be really careful when you're trying to put dates on certain things because sometimes the, the Hebrews would just skip entire generations, no problem, because they're more interested in telling you a story than they are about giving you a, a date. All right. Why did Jonadab give these two particular commands to his children? Of all the laws of Moses, and he takes the highest laws, and you might be thinking, don't build a house, highest law. Yeah, well, actually, if you, if you read about the Levites, they weren't given any land. They were told, don't, don't make the land your focus. Don't make building a house your focus. And Jonadab has gone, well, I want my children, you live by that highest law. Don't make this earth your home and your focus. Make God your home and your focus. So why did he give these particular commands? And here they are. Don't drink alcohol and live in tents. Well, Jonadab wanted, probably wanted his children to have the best chance of being faithful to God. The best chance of being faithful to God. If, if you as a father today were to look ahead at where culture is going and ask yourself... How can I help my children have the best chance of being faithful to God? You could probably look at several things that would be dangers for them to get into. Drugs and alcohol would definitely be a danger, would it not, for our, for our children? I would say, rather than houses, what is normally associated with a house or a thing, a car, is debt. And if I was to warn my children against anything... I would definitely warn against alcohol and drugs and, and the abuse of them and debt. Now, this is not a message about, particularly about either of those things, but I want you to look at what Jonadab's doing. Here's Jonadab. He, he wanted his children to have the best chance to be faithful to God. And the Bible consistently tells us how we can avoid some of these landmines that will destroy people's lives. The Bible warns against the perils of alcohol. That, that Jonadab mentioned. Now, I know that, there's, that for a whole bunch of Christians, we in Australia are so enculturated with alcohol, we just don't question it. Now, this is a, an article that recently appeared on the um, Australian online website, and it said that more and more baby boomers, and I guess that's people in their 40s and 50s, are turning to alcohol and drugs to, to medicate the pain of growing old. People in their 40s and 50s, the pain of growing old. Unbelievable. Um, this, was, this was two months ago, three months ago, on the ABC website. This is from a, an official government report, the ANCD report. It, it, it said this, one in eight deaths of people aged between 25, this is in Australia, one in eight deaths in Australia of people aged under 25 is caused by alcohol. 60% of all police attendances, 90% if you count night time call-outs, involve alcohol. Police call-outs. 
One in five hospitalisations of people under 25 in Australia are due to alcohol. 20% of Australians drink at levels, putting them at risk of lifetime harm. Almost two-thirds of 18 to 29-year-olds drink specifically to get drunk, end quote. And that was published on the abc.net.au news website on the 20th of November, just a couple of months ago. We've got a problem. We've got a problem. And Jonadab didn't want his children to experience the problem. We've already seen that Jeremiah said the priests of Jerusalem are mostly, most of the time, drunk. And he condemned them for it. And I know that there are going to be Christians after this. I'm going to get the emails. Just send them to Nerida. And <laughs> you're going to go, you said people who drink alcohol are going to help. No, I didn't. People are going to mishear what I'm saying. And this is a part of the problem in trying to even just talk about this. This is a huge problem. Here's some of the things the Bible says. And this is, you know, I mentioned before the highest vow that these guys kept to. This is, this is part of it. This is in Numbers chapter 6, verse 3. This is the vow of the Nazarite. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. Wow, high standard. Wow. That's the Nazarite vow. Now let's go to the New Testament. This is what the New Testament says about alcohol. And this is what most Christians will appeal to to justify drinking. They'll say, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink, it just says you can't get drunk. I mean, I, I, someone has responded and said the best way not to get drunk is not to drink. But here's what Ephesians 5.18 says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And debauchery means giving in to your cravings. That's what it means, giving in to your cravings, letting your cravings rule your life. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, as I said, there, there'll be people that think I'm now making, saying something about is it right or wrong to drink alcohol? In one sense, I am. But please don't miss the point. Right now, my point is that there are people, and for, for them, alcohol rules their life. It, has, it is destroying their life. It is the cause of domestic violence. It is the cause of them having suicidal thoughts that they battle with. It is the cause of them not being able to shake off depression. Of course, alcohol is a depressant. It adds to people's sense of depression. Now, the Rechabites, these guys, were faithful to their father. We use that word father. Father, but as in forefather. 20 generations faithful, at least. Here they are. Faithful. Amazing. They came out with Israel around the time of Moses and here we are at a period in Israel's history where it's one of the last kings of Israel. And here's what God's saying to Israel. Here's Jeremiah offering these people wine. No one's going to know. Jonadab's certainly not going to know. And they go, no, we won't. We will be faithful to the commitment we've made to our our ancestor. And really God says, and he says it in, in this passage, if you read on, in talking with Israel, Israel, look at this. <laughs> These people are faithful to their father. 
I'm your father. Be faithful to me. And think what God has asked Israel to be like. Don't kill people. Don't hurt people. Don't throw your newborn babies into a furnace and pretend it's an offering to a God. Just outside the walls of Jerusalem, which is what they were doing. Don't do that. Be faithful to me. If these people can do it, and all it is is about wine and tents, surely you can do it when it's about human life. Be faithful to me, my people. I'm your father. Be faithful. Don't tell me it's not possible. These guys have done it for 20 generations. It's possible. This is what Jeremiah is saying to the city now. Be like the Rechabites. Be faithful. Now, if we're looking at this text, I think the first question we've got to do is go, what does this text say? Not, what, and what did it say then? That's the first question. And then we go, how does it apply to me today? Here's how I think it applies to us today. If you say, I'm a Christian, you are saying, I'm, a, I'm one who has Christ in. Christian. Christ is in my life. I represent Jesus. I will live for Jesus. Then be faithful to Jesus. Even when no one's looking, be faithful. What's God saying? Be faithful to him. That's what he's saying. Be like the Rechabites. Be faithful. Be faithful. Don't read your Bible because, well, I better because someone from church might ask me if I am. (laughs) Read your Bible because you love God. You want to hear from him. You want to talk with him. You You want him to nourish your soul. Don't come to church because, well, if I don't go to church, I'll go to hell. Which is probably true. No, no, it's not. It's not, it's not. Come to church <laughs> because you love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loves the church. He loves the church. So where do we go with this? This is where I think we end up. God is calling you to be faithful to him. He's calling you to be faithful to him. And you might think, but I've failed. Then I've got great news for you. In the midst of your failure, by the way, you'll have to take a number and get in line behind me. (laughs) We can go, Jesus, I need your help. I need your help. And the God who promises to help will. So here's my closing question. No matter what you've done, You can experience peace with God. And the question is, do you want peace with God? Do you want peace with God? The beautiful thing about Christianity is it's not not a theory. It's not this idea that maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. It's about the Holy Spirit coming into your life and transforming you and giving you a power you don't have in yourself. And he can take you from where you're at and help you to be where you need to be. Be like the Rechabites. They were faithful to their forefathers and God calls us to be faithful to him, not just for now, but for all time and in all that we do. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Be Like the Rechabites, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media. P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. And we look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.